Hello, everyone. I'm Abhijat Saraswath, and you're listening to the Fringe Legal Podcast. This is a show where I discuss the future of the legal profession with practitioners, thinkers, and innovators. The future is, of course, a topic that's becoming more important than ever, especially in these turbulent times. And I do hope you're all keeping well and safe. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Fringe Legal Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Katrina Gowans. Katrina is the National Legal Transformation Lead at Origin Energy. Before that, she was in-house counsel at Origin. And prior to that, she practiced at King and Wood Mallison's in Australia for 10 plus years as a competition and consumer lawyer. Katrina has been recognized as a leader by Australian Lawyers in-house leaders list in 2019 for demonstrating leadership and commitment to innovation, efficiency, and creativity, all things no doubt we'll get into today. And she's also an advisory board member of the College of Law Center for Legal Innovation. So Katrina, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Ab. It's terrific to talk to you today. Thank you. And I'm really excited for a whole host of things I'm sure we'll cover. Uh, but before we get into the, the meat of it all, it'll be great to understand a little bit about your story. So you've, you went from practicing to going in-house and now you are looking after legal transformation. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what got you to change and what's that journey been like for you? Sure. So I started after university, I started in private practice at King and Wood Mallison's in the competition consumer law area. Loved Mallison's, loved the work I did, but I think I started to recognize that I had, you know, I was much more engaged, had a much stronger passion for the pointy end of things like working with the business, working with, you know, doing the the face-to-face communications, which I got through experiencing some secondments. And eventually a role came up at Origin as an in-house lawyer, which I jumped at and was a lawyer at Origin for about five years. And then I took a career break for sort of family reasons and was very fortunate that the timing worked out that when I was coming back from that break, our legal team was at a um, juncture in terms of we were about to embark on quite a significant transformation program, which was um, the catalyst for which was the introduction of a matter management system and a document management system. And I can sort of talk about them in a bit more detail, but very um, flatteringly, um, the general counsel at the time identified me as somebody that he wanted to lead that change for our team. So recognising that we'd invested in the technology, but that identifying that he wanted, you know, a leader within the team to sort of help finalise the design and then implement and embed those technologies in the team. He asked me to step into that role and I was absolutely delighted. I think even though it was tremendously scary at the start, having been sort of a practicing lawyer for, you know, I think it was probably 16 or 17 years at that point where, you know, you always, your inbox is always full of things to do. You're never needing to go and look for things to do. I was essentially given, it wasn't a blank page, but it did have about four or five bullet points on it and that was it. So it was quite a change. But at the same time, I was also really excited because I knew that 
this role or the role of sort of um, leading that transformation plan um, really played on a lot of the things that I um, really enjoy doing and things I think I'm quite good at, which is, you know, communicating with the team, project management, being, you know, keeping up the enthusiasm, even when times can be quite challenging, and also building new relationships with different people, both in the origin business, so like working with technology, but also building relationships externally, so expanding Origin Legal's network into sort of the technology world to find out what other innovation lies ahead. So that's, in a nutshell, sort of been my journey for the last uh, 20 plus years and why I've um, landed in this role at Origin Legal at this point in time. Yeah, that's, that's quite a winding road and there's quite a, quite a bit to unpack. And we'll, we'll certainly get into the you know, the, the transformation projects and, and things that happen um, after that, but one of the things I've recently been thinking about, and it's really interesting to see that you got exposed to some of this stuff early on through secondments, is as you went from working in a law firm to in-house, what were some of the things, especially, you know, sort of three, four, five years of practicing in-house, what were some of the things that stood out to you in terms of delivery of legal services to you from the in-house point of view, right? So to you as a client of a law firm, what were some of the things that thinking back to when you were at a law firm that you were like, oh, it would have been really good if I did that different or if those, if I sort of paid a little bit more attention to it or, you know, generally you would wish that lawyers certainly keep in mind uh, how that happens. And the reason I ask this is oftentimes, regardless of what your role is, it's not something that is top of mind for everyone on how the information and the service is going to be used after delivery, right? People are so focused on the delivery of something, whether it's legal service or something else, that they don't actually think about what will my client do with that information. So uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts around that. I'll probably, I'll probably, there's two parts to my answer. So the first thing, I guess, when I was in private practice, I think you absolutely take it for granted. I was very fortunate to be in quite a big um, law firm. So there was um, a significant investment in technology and sort of strategic thinking by management. And so, you know, I reaped the benefits of that in terms of having, you know, great technology, a document management system, a precedent system, all that sort of access. Whereas moving in-house, it's much tighter shoestrings. And those things don't actually happen unless you, the lawyer and the legal team, want it to happen. No one's going to give it to you. So that's kind of my first observation. And I think I'd never really appreciated that as a private practice Hmm. lawyer. And so I I guess my comment would be to private practice lawyers, if there's something that they can think of that can help the in-house lawyers they're working with, is, you know, having that conversation about what's going to help you, not just for this um, advice, because I actually think most uh, private practice lawyers do that very well now in terms of tailoring it in the right tone of voice or the right Right. format to help them. But even more broadly, what can I help to build your knowledge bank so that what, what we're learning with each other today is something that you can sort of share with your team or use more broadly for your team? Yep. And, and you said, sorry, that you had two parts to your answer. The second part was around. The- oh, so that was the second, that was, that was the second part around the knowledge bank. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's actually a bit of a nice segue that one of the things that the origin legal team is focusing on for this financial year that I'm um, driving in my transformation role is to 
build up a knowledge-based way of working. Mm -hmm. And what that really means is, you know, the legal team's biggest asset is everything in the brains of the lawyers in the team, you know, all the experience that they bring to their to their job every day. But what I think many legal teams, including ours, have, have, have not done terrifically well at in the past that I actually think by contrast a lot of law firms do do well mm. is capturing that knowledge so building a central repository so that you can share it with each other now right. and for the future and so we have been on a journey for this financial year to sort of build up firstly a team culture to sort of really embed in our lawyers the importance of anything that you learn you share and how you do that. So making space in team meetings, making space in our document management system, you know, having sort of stand-ups, having sort of informal catch-ups, those kind of things to share the information. Then also building up the infrastructure and the processes so that we're all clear about how we do that kind of thing. And then turning our minds to the population of our knowledge base. So have we got the right precedents? Have we got the right guidance notes? And, you know, that's all informed by talking to our business clients because where we want to get to is somewhere where the lawyers have got the confidence in they know what our teams advised previously and they can, you know, go to that as their starting point rather than reinventing the wheel mm -hmm. um, and, you know, look look good in their job, do, you know, get on with um, the, the, the value-added work rather than just the reinventing reinventing the wheel. Yeah, and I think I think that's such an important point because oftentimes in practice it becomes so much about ensuring that you're instilling the right systems and processes, right? So that's a lot of the technology part. But as you said, so much of what lawyers do is just in their brain. How how do you actually help capture that tacit knowledge? And over the last couple of episodes, we've talked about this in, in quite a lot of yeah. detail. But it, and I really like the approach of instilling the culture and actually breaking that into the, the comm strategy, the communication strategy, because it's easy to say. Uh, and, of course, everyone will want to build that kind of culture where you are learning and sharing what you're learning. Uh, but actually breaking that down into simple terms where you know you are bringing this up in your team meetings whether they're standups whether they're part of the any sort of lunch and learns or any sort of initiatives that's that they don't all of these things don't have to be you know these heavy hour-long training sessions and so on it's setting the building blocks at one percent at a time that incrementally become quite monumental over time as a compound and then having the infrastructure in place and then of course analyzing and having that feedback loop so you're making sure you have the right information that becomes super important was it, was this part of the uh, the significant transformation project that you guys started um, uh, when you were brought on to to lead the it, it was so it's kind of the I call it like the phase two of that so mm -hmm. I mean we can talk about the systems in a minute but we recognized once we had these systems in place it really right. is about how you use them and so for us with particularly the document management system it was like how do we make sure that we're harnessing that enormous power with the document management system mm -hmm. to better build our team's knowledge and so the program that we've, we're running this year you know just to go to that sort of level of detail, we have each, each um, so we've got three sort of teams split geographically. Mm -hmm. Each team has got a log of activity where lawyers are asked to continuously log different aspects of their activity that demonstrates either the culture 
you know, adoption of the infrastructure and processes or contribution and population because um, what we want to do is, and then each month I kind of replay that to the team at a national meeting and say, this is how many new things have been added and these are how many closed and now we're going to hear from so-and-so for five minutes to talk about this specific item. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we do that is, you know, it really is building that momentum, building that as you know, as you say, importantly, that team culture. And for us, I mean, it's more than just the talk and just the doing. We've actually put, like we've put our team business objectives and our bonuses behind this. So we right. are putting our hand on our heart and we're saying we believe in this so much that we are going to commit to this plan for the financial year because we can see that it's absolutely fundamentally of value to our legal team and also to Origin more broadly to try and capture this knowledge and, and you know, use it more meaningfully. And, and I suppose that also has the, the, the secondary benefit of ensuring that you're able to hold each other accountable, right? Because these become part of your, exactly. KPIs, your key performance indicators. So everyone knows... Uh, I guess what they are measured on, certainly in in one respect. Uh, so it's easy to sort of check in throughout the year or whatever exactly, the time frame exactly, be. exactly. And and we have committed to the fact that our plans are only going to work if all of us are doing it. So you know, even you can't just you know, it's not one or two people that are going to do the heavy lifting. We're we're saying we all need to have this shift in um, the way that we you know, engage in this knowledge-based way of working. And, you know, we, we call out different people that have done it well. We call out people that may need support or guidance mm-hmm. in a particular area. So we're all on this sort of journey together. And so uh, I'm curious, as you know, as you have a lot of these things, mm-hmm. how do you actually measure both the impact as well as the effectiveness of uh, whether it's this program or sort of generally any other initiative? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. So when we sort of started the so for the knowledge-based way of working at the start of the financial year when I designed the program I spent a lot of time thinking about what does success look like for a lawyer who is engaging in this um, behavior or this conduct and I listed sort of about you know five or ten bullet points for those things which mm-hmm. we keep sort of circling back on and I intend to at the end of the financial year measure you know is what we've logged and all the things we've done how do they measure up against those things that we said that would that would success would look like this? So you know it sounds subjective, and I, I guess it is, but it's still measurable in terms of a this is what we said we were going to do because we determined that that was going to drive what we wanted, and then this is what we've done, and kind of look at the two things. Mm-hmm. Then the other way um, that we measure it is our team each year does sort of a voice of the customer survey where we go out and ask our clients, and we usually hear from about 300 of them, um, to give us uh, feedback on how they think we've gone for the financial year. And part of that, uh, part of those questions talk about like the quality of our advice, effective communications, sort of how we manage risk in solution-based mode. So Mm -hmm. the, the ratings that they give us, I think, also answer to how effective we've been at using that knowledge-based way of working to provide or continue to provide quality legal services to our business clients. Yeah, and oh, that's that's really awesome. I really like the you know, the voice of the customer survey and the idea. I think is something that a lot of businesses can certainly implement, and you're getting a pretty wide sample set. And and yeah, you can and it's really not very hard. I suspect maybe. There's probably a time factor for some teams that they, you know, don't have the time to design the survey. But I mean, ours is 
I think it's all of about seven or eight questions and then it's actually just a lot of verbatim. So we give right. all of our clients a lot of opportunity to comment and that does take time to work through. But actually sending out the survey itself is relatively simple. And once you've done it for a few years, you get a good sort of benchmark and trend so you can see how you're tracking. And we, again, use that as a team business objective for um, KPIs as well, what, what our score is in our that voice of the customer survey. So, again, it commits us all to engaging um, in conduct and behaviour that supports a good outcome in, in that metric too. Yeah, and, and I think you beat me to it because my question was going to be if you sort of track it over time and as you said. We do. Yeah, we you do. start seeing trends yeah. from it, which is really important because if you start making changes to business strategies or anything else, uh, like, in, you know, different sort of knowledge-based ways of working, then you can see the impact in, in data terms as well as anecdotal evidence as well. That's right. That's right. And I mean, the verbatim is, you know, really where you get the richness and the quality and probably things that um, we resolve. So if there's a, you know, a concern that someone raises or an issue, then we'll use the verbatims to sort of help tackle those specific problems. But the metrics themselves are fantastic. And I also think they give our um, legal function you know, that quantitative data mm -hmm. to take to the business, you know, with a scorecard so that it's not like the legal function sitting there, you know, as an outlier when you kind of come to sort of corporate reporting. So we're kind of, you know, in the tent now because we have a scorecard and we have metrics and we can sort of participate in those kind of conversations, whereas perhaps historically legal teams weren't, you know, didn't come to the party as much in that respect. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then so one of the things which I guess loosely ties into this but might be a good mm. question anyway is mm -hmm. you talked about uh, in the past, you've talked quite a lot about, you know, that there's a, a lot of firms, companies, whatever it might be, they tend to spend a lot of money in getting technology and that that's important, uh, but often not as much money is spent on the change management aspect of it, the training aspect of it. And, and one of the things certainly I found in my experience is technology is, of course, something that becomes a has already become a part of everyday life and it becomes a part of everyday professional life. But in terms of, uh, I guess, the legal profession, it, it really is just a platform that becomes a catalyst for transformation. and. As you work with teams over the past, as you think about this now, how, how do you tend to approach that, that change management aspect, right? So, and you, you can maybe talk about the, the, the large project you had in the beginning. How did you make that more appealing and uh, more bite-sized for your users? Sure. So, I mean, you sort of stole my thunder, but it's something that I always go on about is in terms of, you know, there's so much incredible legal technology out there these days. But I, my caution to everybody is always, you know, think about what you're spending on the technology, but then also think about what you're spending both in terms of um, money and time in terms of the implementation and the adoption of that technology, because the measure of success isn't the software, it's yeah. how your team adopts it and uses it. So that's where your focus should be. 
And so if I think about our the origin legal legal matter management system, so the matter management and the document management system which we adopted, which was a massive step change for our team. Like we were coming from a place where we were very manual in terms of, you know, we sort of ran matters in a spreadsheet that got updated monthly and was sort of double key entered into Oracle. It was, you know, quite old school and we didn't have a document management system. Lawyers kept matters either in their inboxes or on a shared drive which they could only access when they were in their local office. So, you know, the minute that they left the company, it was could become quite tricky to access all of those um, resources. Mm. So what the change looked like for that piece was really upfront thinking about firstly a vision. So, you know, it's probably not a comfortable place for lawyers, but sort of this visioning purpose. So why are we actually investing in technology? Why are we moving in this direction? And so I did spend quite a bit of time designing a vision for our transformation program, which for us was essentially around wanting to be more collaborative, focus more on what matters and get better outcomes for origin. Right. But it's really, it's really important, I think, to spend that initial time on the vision. So the why are we doing it? And then the next sort of stage for me was then saying, you know, the the, the, the technology that we were adopting was really just a tool right. to get us on that vision. It's not the solution because we're the solution. Like how we use it is the solution. But here's the tool that we're going to start with for us on our vision. And so then there was sort of a, a lot of planning. So I think sort of the next thing is really being quite fastidious, really detail-oriented about planning and planning some more, having a communication strategy, thinking about how you talk to different lawyers, if, it's, if you email them, if you have weekly stand-ups, if you do this, if you do that. And, you know, sort of I um, learned quite early on, for example, that sending emails every day just didn't cut through because right. the lawyers never read them. So, you know, using different channels to communicate the change that's coming is very important and being quite sensitive to the audience. And that's sort of my next point is thinking about the audience because, mm. um, you know, you're going to have change champions in your audience. You're going to have people that are very reluctant and then you're going to have everybody in between. And so it's thinking about what level are you pitching the change at, what how are you harnessing, I guess, the benefits of the people that are the change champions and how are you supporting the resistors? Right. Um, so I found that's quite – I spent a bit of time thinking about that and working with sort of local managers to help identify, you know, those people and make sure that we were maximising, you know, I, I, I guess working with people in the right way. And then I think the, the my other the biggest learning is really in terms of then embedding a change. It's really keeping on sharing learning. So where there were things that changed along the way or that we were doing something, I would be very public about saying I've learnt this or mm. I, didn't, I don't think we did this right, so now we're going to try it this way. So be very public about, you know, learning and be public about the mistakes that you've made and then keeping on sort of closing the loop. So I also spent a lot of time once we've launched our system and sort of trained our lawyers and we started in it, going around and sitting down and saying, right, where are your issues? <laughs> Give me your issues. And also, what are your ideas for improving it? And I logged them all. And then as I sort of slowly worked through them all, I kept closing the loop either directly with the lawyer or with the team. And I'd say, I fixed this problem now, or I'd let everybody know we're making this change to our system because so-and-so saw that this was a great um, idea or a gap in the technology that we had. And so then where that gets you to is, I think, somewhere where 
the team actually owns the technology right. and they really are thinking about it's theirs, how do they continue to maximise it's got a very open dialogue about continuous improvement. Everybody knows that it's never going to be 100% perfect technology, never is, yeah. but everybody's got a very, you know, forward-looking approach to how we're going to use it and, you know, keeping on, you know, that continuous improvement cycle. So that's how I kind of approach the change management piece for that technology solution. And that was the journey, that arc that I've described. I mean, it's effectively still going on today. Like we still make changes to our um, legal matter management system. But mm. essentially, the, you know, the, the, the heavy lifting, the bulk of it was sort of over within about maybe six to nine months of launching. But that's right. quite a big time span. And I was a very privileged that I was I was a dedicated resource. So I stepped back from advising the business and was able to sort of focus on that piece of work for our team. But I actually think it was quite vital because I could see that if there wasn't someone in the role that I was in kind of picking up all of those niggles, driving that change, getting the strategic vision in terms of what's the direction that we want to have and then also doing the detailed planning and comms, you can see how easily a lot of things would have slipped through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And then if that happens, what you do is you lose the goodwill that the lawyers have at the start about moving to a technology because then they're like, oh, well, it's not working. I'm just going to go back to the old way I was doing things. And that's what you don't want. (laughs) So it's kind of about keeping your foot down on the accelerator. So uh, I guess a couple of things. Uh, I mean, it, there's, there's so much information there. It's really interesting because as you were talking, one of the thoughts that came into my mind, which maybe I'll form into a question, we'll see how this goes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was you know this dichotomy of just being able to get whatever your planned implementation is, the project is done as soon as possible, you know, versus the juxtaposition of the change management aspect taking some amount of time right so just managing that and i think a couple of points that you talked about is just having those sort of high level objectives around collaboration focusing on what matters and having better business outcomes or origin those are super important i do like the the terminologies which i'm certainly going to seal for the future of chain champions and supporting the resistance mm-hmm. i think that's really helpful yes um Yep. And I, I think some of the things that you've suggested as sort of potential ideas, uh, more sort of practical ideas are, you know, being able to embed the change, because I think that certainly is an issue that becomes that becomes very evident, maybe mm. some, some way through. It's not something that will be immediately obvious, but maybe sort of 20, 30, 40 percent into the project. You start thinking about, well, OK, things seem to be working as we expect it to be or maybe how we hope for them to be? How do we make this sticky? And I think, you know, creating this forum of very sort of public, very public debate around, okay, this didn't work. This this is what we learned from it and getting buy-in from the different teams. And then I guess the two questions I had were, one, you, you mentioned collecting issues and ideas from the users just in assisting to close the loop as much as possible. Curious, do people tend to, and I'm asking this because you're asking them to change the way they're working, did they tend to give you more issues or ideas? Because I I guess that would speak to whether they are sort of supporting of generally changing or they want to improve it more. Yeah, it was probably 50-50 actually. I guess the the, um, benefit of asking for issues and sort of having that sit down face to face is what I was finding was a lot of lawyers, like, they can not be great sometimes at the self help. So even though we had a protocol for sort of raising an incident, 
it'd be like, I don't have time now. I'll do it later when I have time and it never gets done. So it's, I found it actually quite important to sort of tease out those issues right. because they were things that I could fix or mm. I've worked out that they were issues for a lot of people. And so that was, that was very important. And I did, you know, get a lot of people that had very genuine issues that we needed to solve. But, sure. you know, 50, 50, I would say at least the same number again had enhancements and, not to say that we could action them all, right. but what they, you know, there were a number that we could take forward. And I think they were just as, you know, they were really interesting to talk through. A lot of our lawyers obviously come from different different law firms, different companies, and so people bring with them their own experiences or, you know, why don't we do this or have we tried this or it would be much easier for me if you did that. And there's such a richness in that and I think you only sometimes get that and people only start thinking about those things too once they're actually in the system. So it's very important to sort of make the time to do that after after the fact and, you know, make, I, I thought, the, the, you know, it doesn't have to be face-to-face but I think the one-on-one time does help because, you know, you're sort of in a big room. I don't know if it sort of works in the same dynamic. So we're very fortunate in that respect to be able to sort of run that journey of it. The other thing that I would call out as well in terms of, you know, that closing the loop, enhancing and then getting the team to sort of own it is also to celebrate the successes. Yeah, and so it was something that I tried to do in terms of when we sort of had a check-in maybe in six months' time, I sort of let everybody know that, you know, I I gathered up a few statistics from the systems that we'd launched, so how many new matters we'd opened up, how many matters we'd helped our clients do, how many documents we'd pulled in, how many this, how many that, how many Mm -hmm. searches. And so, you know, that was really pleasing to sort of put up and say, you know, guys, we're in it now. You know, there's a momentum happening. And then sort of at the 12-month mark, it was like, can you believe it? It was a year ago and how different things feel. And so, you know, they're kind of simple and probably a little bit corny, but I, I don't mind. I think it's really important to just keep reminding people where where we are now and where we've come from because I, I very much see, you know, the legal innovation, legal technology, all the change that comes with it, It's it's not – it's not static, so you don't turn it on and then off and then you're done. I just think it's the way of the, the world. And, I mean, I'm sure it's always been maybe we've just never talked about it, but, you know, it changes. It's never still, right? So you're always circle, like circling and circling and circling um, on all the things you do. So if you're – the mindset can't be that we're just going to – we've just got to do this and then it's done and then I can take it off my to-do list and move on to the next thing. I think we need to sort of stop thinking about things in that respect when we're talking about uh, legal technology and legal teams and change because, you know, it's just always um, – we're always evolving, always improving, and I think that, that you need to sort of design a program and the support and the conversations around that um, that mindset. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the celebrating is so important because, for one, people generally aren't <laughs> – in businesses at least, and they're not always very good at it, and it's, it, it is important no. to – continue motivating people and the second thing is because you are continuously moving and in most instances you're moving so you can improve more it is really Mm. difficult sometimes to have that perspective of how much you've improved over you know Mm. three six nine twelve months whatever it might be Mm. because Mm. you know it's Mm. kind of like seeing someone sort of growing up in front of you until you sort of go away and you get a little bit of distance uh, you, you sort of yep. don't notice how much someone, someone's changed, for example. 
Yeah, and the other the other litmus test I use is a new starter to our team, mm-hmm. and so once they start in our team, and now I sort of have some resources that I can provide them with, and send them a lot of documents, which is sort of centrally stored in our document management system, and I can say, "Here you go," and they're like, "You can just see," they're like, "Oh, that's <laughs> that's great!" Like I've got all this information, I know who to go to, and I sort of. They're, they're my litmus test in a way if, if things sort of go relatively smoothly for them and I compare it to, you know, what may have been the experience before we had all those systems in place. I think that, that's very pleasing as well. Yeah. And the the other question I had sort of which, which goes around resourcing as well is, mm. you know, you, you mentioned during this project you were a dedicated resource and that sounds like a wonderful position that may will likely not be the position that a lot of people will find themselves mm. to be. Mm. So what do you think are some of the ways to sort of mitigate that? Because, and I ask this because there's always otherwise a fear. I agree. Focus yep. on delivering client-focused work and rather than, you know, focusing on change management or transformational work. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the Origin Legal Team, and I sort of didn't really introduce the team that I work with at the start, but we've got, I think, about 25 lawyers and probably mm-hmm. 20 FTE in Australia, which by Australian standards is quite a big in-house team. Right. And as I also made the point, we you know, we had heavily invested in the technology for the legal matter management system. And so it was proportionate. My, my time and effort was sort of proportionate to get the value out of that system. But for teams that um, are smaller or can't get, don't have the, 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 the budget, I guess, to get a dedicated resource. A few of the things that I have suggested or would think could work, you know, if you can, if you can have a person in your team, even if it's for a month or two, mm-hmm. just step back from the legal work. That can be one, you know, short term fix. Then the other option is, um, and we sort of do this as well in our team as well as my job, but embedded in your team KPIs and your bonuses because nothing sort of motivates people <laughs> like, you know, this is your job. And yep. if it's, you know, 20% of your salary, then you should be spending 20% of your time. So if you work five days a week, that's one day a week that you should be working on. And, you know, that's kind of a quite a logical um, way to think about it as well in terms of making sure that people's time is allocated to the way that the team has decided to set up their budgets. And that's very much, I should say, leader-driven as well. So I think, you know, it's up to the the partner or the general counsel to set that expectation as well and to make sure that they're sort of checking in and checking in that people are spending that that time that you've committed to on those sort of projects and resources because you're absolutely right. Day jobs, you know, get in the way. Clients have deadlines. But where where I come from is, you know, if you've committed to to this sort of change, this program, the change that you're doing is for the betterment of the business and we have a great origin value that we sort of work with, which is one origin, one team. And so that means that the values and the programs that we run as a legal team need to support, need to benefit all of origin. And so I need to be convicted, you know, have conviction that what um, we're putting our time into is really going to help the business. And it kind of circles back to the point I made earlier about having a vision for the change that you're doing. And so when I designed the vision for our team, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time both by myself and then when I was talking to our team, mapping our vision for our program with our corporate vision and values to make right. sure they were aligned. Yeah. And, I, and that, that really resonated. Yeah. 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 And that really resonated. And what it meant was I was 100% convicted 
had 100% conviction that what we were doing was for the betterment of origin and our, I'll send our team out and our lawyers out to say, we need to take this time to do this for our team, even though it looks like it's a, you know, an, an, an insular sort of project that we're working on. It's actually for the better of origin. Yeah, uh, yeah, intertwining it to your sort of core business values certainly yeah. gets you buy in from from those outside of the team, and you know all, all the other things that you talked about. Uh, I think there's a really mm. good practical approaches uh, because yeah, uh, there, there's always yeah. a, a battle for resources and time, and yes. trying to balance yes. client client deliverables with everything else that you need to be able to get done. Yeah, and I guess where we were coming from was we hadn't had sort of a dedicated practice manager or, you know, knowledge manager, Mm -hmm. someone in the role that I was in for about five years. Someone We we had previously, they left, and we didn't sort of backfill that role. And so what that meant was that just a lot of stuff wasn't getting done. And I think where we got to was that we really wanted to invest in ourselves Mm. because – you know, there were things that were starting to slip. And so, you know, you also have to think about what, what do we need to do to invest in ourselves to make sure that our team is, I guess, fit for the future and mm-hmm. um, can be part of, you know, the, the future for the company and for the legal profession. Yeah, very much. And actually, that's a perfect segue. So uh, at the start, mm. in the introduction, I mentioned that, you know, you're part of the Center for Legal Innovation, uh, the, the yes. advisory board. Uh, and actually, as you were talking previously, you mentioned how, you know, by Australian standard origin is a relatively big in-house team. So I think mm. uh, t- two points I would like to sort of go into as we move into the closing of this. One is, you know, in, in your I guess in your opinion, what's kind of the state of what's the kind of the state of the in-house legal world within or the scene within Australia? Yeah, so Origin is a bigger team, but by virtue of now my role with the Centre for Legal Innovation and also I guess just talking to peers in other companies, I, I think that a lot of in-house teams have have a great awareness now. I think there's a real sort of there's a lot of articles, there's a lot of knowledge out there about legal innovation and legal change, but I think people are still probably a little bit unsure about either where to start or um, even finding the budget to do it. There's a little bit of not paralysis, but I think, you know, it can be a real challenge about sort of rolling up the sleeves and thinking, you know, what do we what what should we do? Where do we start? There's so much out there. So I think there's still I think the, the best part of legal innovation for Australia, Australia in-house legal teams in particular, is still to come. Mm-hmm. I think there are some, you know, some standout companies that have done amazing things. And I think for us at Origin, I think we're quite lucky, you know, quite well placed now with our legal matter management system in place to sort of take go to the next level. But I think in on the whole, I think people we're still sort of still in a very learning knowledge sharing phase. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's there's so much out there, and one of the challenges tend to be, you know, what should folks really focus on initially that will have probably the biggest impact or maybe the lowest hanging fruit do you what what kind of helped you and you know i don't know if the the cli cli aspect of things helps with this how, how do people get guidance on you know what are some of the ways to start with joining you know clock or something along those lines yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things out there. Yeah, CLI, so the Central Legal Innovation is a terrific one to follow and they really are. I mean, they're geared for the whole of the legal profession, but mm-hmm. they do tailor a lot of things for smaller 
smaller in-house smaller law firms. So they and they run a lot of great like sandbox series and mm-hmm. spotlights and you know lunchbox sessions, which I think are a great way to sort of roll up your sleeves. The other observation that I'd make in terms of just when I think about legal innovation and technology is I always put I can see now from hindsight that putting things like a matter management system in place is I now see as really basic hygiene for any in-house team. And there's some very easy-to-use, off-the-shelf products um, available that, you know, they're kind of very well-versed now in rolling them out for in-house teams that, you know, if in-house teams don't have them, I would strongly encourage them because I think once you have that, then you've got some data about your matters and then you can sort of go to the next stage of legal innovation, which might be, you know, where there's, you can sort of start to see where there's like lots of low hanging fruit and, Mm -hmm. you know, areas where you can triage legal questions that are coming in or automate workflows. So I think that's sort of a great place to start as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I couldn't agree. I think it's it's easy to really focus on, you know, the the shiny things uh, like machine learning systems and all of these things that, that get a lot of publicity. And for good reason, yep. but I, I think yep. really you should you should do a bit of a introspective and see like do you have the you know the foundation set and do you have yes. you know yes. a, a DMS do you have a practice management system do you have all of these processes built in before uh, you you know put in the tools because as you said like the tools is a way tools are a way to achieve something that you are doing in a better, faster, more efficient way. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, there's no denying that, you know, we'll get to a point with AI, but even for our team, you know, we're still a long way off that. What I do talk to my team about, and we are sort of doing more of and looking to move to more is what I call either workflows Mm -hmm. or automation. And so that's thinking about, you know, whether it might be repeat work or volume work, thinking about what sort of applications you can use to select the right contract or pre-populate fields in a contract or triage a question through a sort of, you know, like a, a help desk. So none of that's AI. All of that is the lawyer's brain designing the right questions, the right decision tree, the right workflow, yep. but it is automation in that it gets you, um, you know, in the right direction in terms of eliminating, even if it's the 1%, it's still eliminating 1% in time things like that will move to AI, but I think for particular for most Australian firms that's still a long way off the AI stage. But when we can certainly make a start now on the workflows and the processes and automation. Yeah, and I think the exercise in itself is so valuable. Just thinking through, you know, what work or what types of work or workflows can be automated. Uh, answering just that question yes. will probably help you prioritize, you know, what is higher value to you versus sort of high high volume, low value work that you should try and find That's a way right. to automate somehow. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So well, I'm conscious of your time. I guess in closing, a couple of things. If people wanted to get in touch to continue the discussion further, what's the best place for them to find you? The best way is probably on LinkedIn. So if they just search under me, I'm Origin Energy. So I'd love to um, hear from anybody, um, see what they're doing as well. And I'm always um, happy to chat to people over the telephone or if they email them in Australia, have a coffee with them. Fair enough. Uh, and then yeah, I, I will certainly link uh, link to uh, the LinkedIn on, on the show notes as well. And then lastly, is there any sort of last request in closing of the audience? Any Anything you want people to think about a bit more or any sort of parting words of wisdom? I think it's probably 
common themes that we've covered off today. Um, so it's really just thinking about the human side of legal innovation and change management. And just, I would really just encourage people to continue to think about, you know, not just looking at the fancy technology when they get a demo, but looking at the lawyers' eyes and how they light up or how they react or how they engage with that technology. So I think that's that's to date not been a, a, a focus, but that's where I think um, everyone should be looking as we sort of move into the next stage of legal innovation. Fantastic. Yep. Keeping it fully human as you look at technology. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's Katrina. right. Yeah, pleasure having you on. Thanks, and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Before you go, please share this with one other person and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. This podcast was produced by me, Abhijat Saraswath. Paula Chrysostomu is the manager for the show and Pretty Saraswath is the content strategist. You can listen to all previous episodes and reach out to us at fringelegal.com. Thank you.